to this podcast. This week with my amazing co-host Zara, myself Camille, receive Tegan Shepard, author of uh, The Queen of Humbles and uh, Two Night in Tango, which we will be discussing uh, today. So welcome. Did you intend to write each book of your series as a standalone or not? Uh, yeah, it's they're, they're intended to be standalone. Um, each one kind of builds on the relationship, so it, it helps to read them in order. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're all standalone. Um, I, I kind of like that about a series when you uh, can can feel like you can jump in at any point uh, and and understand the characters. So that's that's definitely the intention. Are you a chess fan, Dickon? Is that why you base the book a little bit on chess? <laughs> um, a little bit. I uh, so I, I came up with the the name Queen of Humboldt, and then I uh, you know was kind of like trying to figure out how I thought of that character and 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 why she uses that moniker. Um, so that's kind of where the the chess came in. I I do love to play. I am terrible at it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Two Nights Tango is actually a, an opening move in chess. Um, and I'm I've never been that kind of chess player who can like think a couple of steps ahead enough to like do a, a planned attack like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I give it my, my best, but Marisol is definitely better at chess than I am. So did this title come first or did the story come first? I think the, the story came first. I actually, this, uh, this series started as a fanfic. Um, it is uh, based on a kind of a lesser known pairing from uh, the video game Mass Effect. Um, and it's, uh, so it's, um, uh, Arya, Talok, and, uh, Tebos, uh, for if anybody plays Mass Effect, it's those okay, two. Yeah. I, I see it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, um, I had written most of this, uh, as, as fanfic of those two, um, and then I, you know, I kind of wanted to go in a different direction that I couldn't with the, those characters, so I decided to turn it into original fic, and, uh, yeah, it kind of blossomed from there. Do you play a lot of video games? I do. I'm a big gamer. Um, I'm a big fan of Mass Effect. That's my favorite one. But anything Bioware does, so uh, uh, the Dragon Age series, love those. Um, also a big fan of Assassin's Creed, especially the more recent ones where you can like uh, pick your assassin and make her female. Uh, that's, that always makes it more fun for me, honestly. <laughs> so... This book, you so so this series essentially is slightly has a slightly darker tone compared to your earlier books. Is that how you planned it, or did that just happen to be? Yeah, yeah. I uh, most of my my romance are kind of kind of fluffy, and uh, I I, some, I do some angst, but not not this much for sure. Um, but yeah, I kind of I like the idea of a little bit of grittier uh, storyline. I tend to read everything. Um, so I kind of wanted to go in that, uh, that grittier storyline, like a, like a Jerry Hill kind of, uh, uh, like, you know, darker mystery type, uh, thriller. Um, and it's a lot of fun to write, uh, uh, especially, you know, writing, uh, just one type of story can sometimes get a little monotonous. Um, so it's nice to kind of like veer sideways every now and then and, and do something new to just keep everything fresh. So. Are the darker scenes harder to write? I uh, I kind of like writing that a little more. Like uh, the the darker stuff, it lets me tap into the video gaming, right? Because <laughs> you tend to have the, the fighting games in there. Um, yeah, there there. 
I wouldn't say harder to write. I, like most folks will tell you that um, writing a sex scene is probably the hardest thing to do. It's so much easier to write people punching each other than people like kissing each other. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a little bit, it's, it's fun and different. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's harder, but. How much research did, did you need to do uh, to write this book? Um, a lot, actually. Uh, that's one of the things that I really, I wanted to get uh, some of the, because um, this is more realistic, I guess, than um, some of the other stuff that I've written that's darker. Um, I did some sci-fi a little while back, and, and that was set on the moon. I didn't have to research much. <laughs> um, but this, I wanted to get some things right. Um, uh, Marisol is, uh, is a Latinx character, um, and um, as a white author, I wanted to make sure uh, that I was... Uh, being sensitive in writing that. Um, uh, I also uh, don't live in, in Chicago or Illinois, so I had to do some uh, kind of like looking into the legal system there and, uh, and the political system. Um, and so, yeah, so there was, a, there was a fair amount of research. I can't say that I got it all right, and I know there's things I got wrong, and I apologize. <laughs> But uh, um, I love the research end. I tend to be I'm a bit of a, of a history nerd and that kind of stuff, so... Um, the doing some of the research for the books is uh, actually kind of my favorite part. Uh, it just gives me excuse to to uh, go down Wikipedia rabbit holes uh, <laughs> and call it work, right? <laughs> Did you use sensitivity readers uh, or editors to uh, use your book? I did, absolutely. I used a sensitivity reader, um, and uh, and I, I would really encourage that. Uh, this is that's kind of something that's like close to my heart uh, as uh, writing diverse characters and doing it well. Um, uh, so I, I did use a sensitivity reader. I would recommend any author who's writing outside of their uh, um, their their group, uh, especially if you're writing a marginalized character, to definitely use a sensitivity reader. Um, And also one of the things I, I learned a lot from my sensitivity reader because I got a lot wrong early on. Um, and, uh, and she kind of called me out on it, which is fantastic. That's what you want, right? You want somebody to, to make sure that you're growing as an author. Um, so, uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> that's the long answer. <laughs> okay. So that uh, started me a question. Okay. <laughs> Did your comeback from your sensitivity sensitivity readers, sorry, uh, sparked a little plot with uh, Sabrina and I think it was Nia, the reporter, who asked her about her record. Um, uh, that actually wasn't from a sensitivity reader. That uh, that was um, uh, uh, kind of something I wanted to to address, um, given the state of of politics, especially in the U.S. Um, When I was writing this, because you know it takes a while for things to get to uh, to print, right? So I was writing this in the summer of 2020, um, which in the U.S. had a lot of um, a lot of discussion about uh, policing and about uh, the justice system and about how we treat people of color in this country. Um, and I didn't feel right having a character who was a prosecutor and governor, right? So she could she can make. Uh, change, real effective change, um, and she probably had some background that was uh, complicated and uh, problematic. Um, so I wanted to address that. I didn't want uh, that to be something that uh, that readers was left, you know, in the back of a reader's mind, like, hey, but she's a prosecutor. She probably did some stuff that was wrong. Um, I did. I did uh, get a lot of uh, of uh, feedback from my sensitivity reader about how I could actually take that storyline further 
which is something that I really appreciate. Um, because, you know, it's all of us need to uh, hold ourselves accountable. Um, and that's one of the things that my sensitivity reader said is that, uh, that, that in the original uh, way that I wrote it, uh, Sabrina didn't hold herself as accountable as she could have done. So between um, Marisol and Sabrina, whose voice came easier to you? And did any of them change the direction of the book as you were, or the story as you were writing it? Well, that's a good question. Um, I definitely think, uh, so So Marisol was kind of the catalyst of the story. Um, she's the one, the, the first book, Queen of Humble, is um, is mostly from her point of view. They're, they're both split point of view, but it's mostly from Marisol in the first book. Um, I would say she's the character that I, I uh, really like that caught my, my attention and made me want to write the story. Um, but you know, because she is Latinx and I'm white, I mean, hearing her voice is harder, right? Because I have to, uh, you know, I have to, to think in a different way um, than you know what what comes uh, what I, what I was raised with, right? Um, so I would say that Sabrina's voice is easier to write, but Marisol is the one who, uh, like, you know, makes me excited, makes me want to tell her story. The, the way that I write is I kind of see the, the story like a movie and I just write down what I'm watching. Um, so sometimes you, like, I, I don't, I'm not describing well what I'm seeing, right? <laughs> so my beta readers really helped me clarify that story. Um, it was always, I always know the beginning and the end. It's usually in the middle, but it's a little, uh, little tricky sometimes. Um, and they, and I definitely, I did make some changes, uh, for both stories, um, in the middle, but, um, I have, so, so the series is intended to be seven books. Um, oh, okay. and so I have the plot, the general plot of all seven, uh, up here getting it out here is a little harder <laughs> but uh, um so yeah so the beginning and end i definitely uh knew it's just that wavy in between journey that's that's the hard part so i'm going to ask a very spoilery question now and you don't have to answer if you want or you can tell us and we can i can edit this out but are right. waiting for seven books for marisol and sabrina to actually be out in the open together or do you have plans for them to at least be out in public before then? By the end of the series, uh, their relationship will be out in the open. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, how, how they get there, we'll, we'll <laughs> leave that to the imagination <laughs> okay. for now. That one, that one I'm going to keep close to the chest, okay. but yeah, by the end. Great. They, <laughs> they definitely uh, walk off into the sunset right. together. I keep coming back to the fact that at the beginning it was a fanfic of Mass Effect <laughs> and now I'm thinking is Tyler kind of a paragon shepherd or something? He absolutely is, yes. Okay. <laughs> that <laughs> makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that, that was actually uh, for me, Tyler, uh, trying to because right, when you write fanfic, right, you don't have to describe your characters that much because everybody knows where you're coming from, right? Yeah. Um, so so making Tyler the fully formed character that she is was actually harder for me because she is Shepard. Um, yeah. So, you know, and everybody has their own Shepard, of course, but everybody has a pretty good idea of what, what Shepard is like and, and the, the, the personality. And yes, yeah. definitely Paragon. Uh, um, but, yeah. 
Okay. There's kind of some bits that make sense now in my mind. So I would recommend to every uh, viewer and listener to play the game because it's awesome and it will improve your enjoyment of the book. Absolutely, yes. And the, the Legendary Edition just came out, I think, last year, so... You can play it on whatever platform now. It's available, and it's a great—it's a great trilogy of games. And also, it's not the first one we have heard that is inspired by Mass Effect, right? Yeah, yeah actually, it's a Ray uh, D. Magdan. Ah, I don't know okay. if you know. Yeah. I do. I love Ray. Yeah. I love Ray's work. Uh, yeah. And actually, so a little bit of an aside for Ray here is that um, so, like I said, I, I started writing fanfic, and I didn't actually know about. Lesbic and WOW and all, you know, this whole community that we're in, um, until I was reading Ray's uh, fanfic and she put a comment at the front of one of her uh, her stories that her next book was coming out. And I was like, what? People write that? And so that's how I found, you know, so through Ray Magdan, I found as a Palm Press and then Bella and Boldstroke and Bywater and, you know, this huge, vibrant community we have. Um, and actually that, I was like, oh, so I can write my own stuff and 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 get it published. And, and so, yeah, actually, uh, Ray is a good friend, uh, and she's also the reason that, that I am where I am today in my career. So. Do you need a specific setting to write? Do you have a routine or a ritual? Um, I do. I, I usually like it quiet. Um, I, you know, there's, there's the two camps of writers, right? The ones who like go to a coffee shop and write, and then the folks who like have to sit at home in like a little cave and stuff. And I have always been the, the quiet writer. Um, but then the pandemic happened and I'm stuck inside for two years. Right. And so I'm like, I just need to get out of the house. So I actually recently have been going out to a coffee shop to write. Um, and it's, I gotta say, it's kind of nice. I, I always see random weird people. It's it's a great way to people watch, um, so especially I, I, right I now I'm in it. edits for my next project, and and I hate edits. It's I would much rather write all day than do that. Um, but that that gave me the the motivation is going out editing in public. So so can I ask what the journey from writing fanfic to being published was like? Was it very different to what you expected or was it easier because you'd already been writing fanfic? It was, uh, oh, easier is hard. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, now I have to learn all, like, the grammar and the craft stuff <laughs> that I didn't have to necessarily. You know, the fanfic readers are very forgiving, I think, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, and I, I love, I just love the fanfic community. I think it's fantastic. Uh, definitely gave me an idea of how to put a story together. Um, funny. So the, the way that I got into writing and I always tease my wife for this, um, is that I used to work overnights. Uh, and so I would have to, I would have a week off and then I'd have to go back to overnight. So I played video games overnight, like for 10 hours while she's upstairs sleeping. And one morning she got up and, and I was telling her, I felt like I love playing video games, but I feel like I'm wasting my life here. (laughs) Just (laughs) playing this much. Um, and she was like, well, then do something else. She's all grumpy. She hadn't had her coffee yet. Uh, and I was like, like what? She's like, I don't know. Write a book. And she said it so sarcastically. And I'm Gen X, right? So, like, if you say something to me, sarcastic, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to write a book. <laughs> so... Uh, so then I went, like, a, a little while later, I started writing Visiting Hours, which was my debut novel. I, I must say that I had a, a really wonderful transition into writing original fic. Um, I, I got this manuscript together. I was really happy with it. 
Um, and I sent it into Bella Books. Uh, they were the, the first folks that I sent it to, uh, and they took me the, the first try, which is not your standard journey. A lot of folks fight for years to find a publisher, so I was very lucky. Uh, uh, they've been wonderful to me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely different. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't like edits. Part of that is because every time I get a new edit on a book, I find out the way that I've been speaking English wrong or like typing English wrong for years. Uh, so it's, it's a learning process, but it's, it's really, it's really wonderful. I do miss the like instant gratification of fanfic where you get those likes and you get those comments and Every day you've got that email from AO3, uh, from Archive of Our Own, in your email, in your box saying, like, this is how many likes you got. And you don't get that, right? When you, have, when you publish a book, it takes you six months to get a royalty check. And, uh, but, so it's different, but, uh, but it's, it's been a fun journey. Is it also hard to, so you sort of submit your book and then you wait for edits and then by the time you actually see it in print, it's normally six months on, isn't it, since you've finished a story? So is that a bit hard that when readers start talking about the book, but you've already actually moved on to maybe the next book? Does that, does, is the waiting period hard? Uh, it's actually good for me um, because what I'll do is I'll write, I, I tend to write pretty quickly um, and I'll write a book and then I'll put it aside and I'll work on something else. And then I'll come back to it like, you know, a few months later. And it's nice because I've forgotten it. Um, and so it gives me a chance to look at it with fresh eyes, um, which will, you know, if, if the story is always in the front of your mind, then you don't, it's harder to see the holes of the plot, especially, uh, and then the character arc. Um, so it is like, again, I, I get edits back and I'm like, wait, what was that book? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Jump back in. But I'm always working on something, um, and it keeps uh, it keeps me from from getting too familiar with the story, so that I then you know end up losing perspective on it. But yeah, the wait can sometimes be like I'm working on something right now that I'm really excited about, and I can't wait for it to get out in the world. But I know it's going to be months before it happens. So the fortunate thing is, is like I always I've, I've loved everything I've put out. So I'm always excited to talk about the story. It's always something uh, something new to talk about. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it, it's hard to hold back and not tell everybody all the, the cool bits. Um, but I know they'll get there eventually. Can you tease us something from a future work that won't tease too much, but just to spark something? Ooh. All right. Yeah. Well, so I, like I said, I'm, I'm excited about my next one. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll tease that. So that one kind of brings in my, uh, my love of like the full queer fandom. Um, so this one takes place at a, a fictional uh, fan convention. Um, so I get to reference basically every TV show that has ever had a queer character in it, I reference. Uh, so that, that one's really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. So it's a book that will be done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it's not, they're not deep references necessarily, but uh, yeah, if you, if you have like a little scorecard of every show you've ever seen with like even the hint of a lesbian romance, You, you can you can follow along with this next one. Okay, so take out the big exactly. part for the next one. Good, <laughs> noted. <laughs> Talking about beta readers, uh, do you wait till you've finished your first draft before you hand the book in, or do you give them chapter by chapter? 
And yeah, no, I, uh, I always wait till it's done. And I always do a round of my own edits uh, before I send it to beta readers. Um, there was one uh, uh, a few years back. I think it was the first one, actually, I sent to beta readers um, because I didn't, I think my first three books I didn't have uh, beta readers on. Um, but I think, the, so that one I sent to my readers probably too early. I should have done a little bit more editing on my own. And I feel so bad for because I think what I sent them was around 120,000 words, and the final book was like 90,000 words. Like I cut so much, and a lot of it was based on their feedback. But I try and I try and make sure that I'm as close as I think I can get to uh, publication before I send it out. Um, and I and I'm a plotter, so I always know where it's going when I you know. I, like uh, most of my books have about a 30 page outline. Like it's <laughs> I'm a very extensive father. Um, so, but there's things that change. So I don't want to send something and then, you know, a chapter out and then a week later be like, Oh, Hey, ignore that. <laughs> I cut that. So, you mentioned hard. earlier, uh, you had a wife. Can she read your work before it's finished? Uh, no, never. Uh, so um, I do. I have a wonderful, beautiful wife, Chris. Uh, we've been married. We've been together for 21 years, um, and she is my biggest fan. But I do not let her read it until it's done. Um, and that part of that started with my first book. Like I finished, actually finished writing. So like, so she said that thing about uh, why don't you just write a book? And that, so I did in secret. Uh, and I didn't tell her about it until I was like, this is actually something I could publish. So. I told her about it, but I, uh, so this is a personal thing for me. I, I, I worry about putting pressure on her because like if she reads it and she hates it, she can't say that to me because she's my wife. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, and if she reads it and loves it, she'll tell me she loves it, but I'll just assume it's because she's my wife. She's <laughs> saying that. So, uh, yeah, so she always, um, you get author copies of a book, uh, when it's published. So I always open that box up take out the first copy, sign it to her, and give oh. it to her. And she, so she reads it before anybody else, oh, but only like a month before everyone else. <laughs> Very sweet. You're together since when, did you say? Oh, well, we've been together for 21 years. Uh, so, yeah, we, we met in, uh, in college. I was 19 and she was 21. So. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was just like, did I hear 21? Were there like two or something? <laughs> Yeah, and I appreciate that. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm 40. Um, I'm at that age where, like, just sleeping wrong will take me out for, like, a week. <laughs> so circling back to Marisol and Sabrina. So Sabrina lives in a very privileged environment. Marisol's environment is a lot more grittier, right? Did you have to do a lot of research to create Marisol's environment? I did. Um, I, it's, I mean, it's a little bit harder. Uh, it was actually harder for me to write Sabrina's end of it. Um, I, I, like, I did not grow up in poverty, but I didn't grow up rich either. So <laughs> we were, we were firmly lower middle class. Um, so that actually, I mean, obviously not to the extent of Marisol, uh, grew up, uh, unhoused, um, and, and went through a lot. In, in her youth and, and has fought through a lot in her in her adulthood. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of talking to some folks who um, who had different socioeconomic circumstances than me. Um, a lot of interviewing folks uh, ahead of time. 
uh, I was not able to get um, a sensitivity reader who uh, had experienced uh, being unhoused. Um, so I don't know how much of that um, I, I probably could have done better. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, in, in the U.S. especially, um, if, you, if you don't grow up in that urban environment, which I didn't, I grew up in a very rural environment, um, it can be a very different thing. Um, so I wanted to make sure I had a little more perspective on that. Um, and, uh, and, and I would not feel comfortable writing that time in her life. Um, there was a little bit of flashbacks in, uh, in Queen of Humboldt. Um, but it wasn't right. Writing in that specific headspace wouldn't be something I'd be super comfortable with because I don't have enough, uh, experience with it. This is a two part question. What's your favorite part of writing and what is your least favorite part of writing? Uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I would say uh, my least favorite part is dialogue. I'm really, I don't feel like I'm very good at writing dialogue, especially witty banter. Uh, that's not my thing. Uh, and also the verb to lie versus the verb to lay. I'm terrible at it. I cannot, <laughs> I can't get it right. Um, so that two part there. Uh, my favorite thing is. Um, I like to write a lot of like the sensory scenes um, where the, the description of, of environment um, is, is really my favorite part to write. I feel like I can really dive into that. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I would say that's my, those are my favorite scenes to write. Do you have a favorite scene from book two? that you enjoyed writing? So my favorite, it's not, I won't be too spoilery, uh, but uh, my favorite scene uh, in Two Nights Tango um, was uh, the balcony scene um, that it's probably about halfway, maybe three quarters of the way through. Um, and part of the reason that I love that so much is that that's actually one that uh, a couple of my beta readers suggested. Um, so I was like, fully in the characters and in that story. And I was able to write that after I knew like the full arc of the story. So it was, uh, I feel like it was a, a lot of fun to write. Um, there's also a lot of tension in that, uh, in that scene from them, uh, doing their own thing for the, the part of the book before that. Um, so that one, I, I really, I really enjoy that scene. If you could pick any queer character, fictional character, in any type of media and go on a date with them, who would it be? And would your wife be mad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is a funny one because, uh, so uh, have, have y'all seen Arcane on uh, Netflix? Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, there's Caitlin and Vi, right? So I have a mad crush on Caitlin and my wife has a mad crush on Vi. So I think that I would want to go on a date with Caitlin at the same time she wanted to date with Vi so I couldn't get in trouble for it. <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I want to ask you about the bishop. How did the idea of creating this persona of the bishop come about? Yeah, I um, so I really, um, as, I, as I was writing the books, I, I tend to like a lot of TV, I think we talked about that, <laughs> but uh, so I kind of looked at each book as like a, a series, a season and a, and a series, right? Um, so I wanted to have a big bad, you know, the, the guy that like you get at the end of the book, at the end of the series that always, you know, they take him down. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was my favorite. So there's always like that new big bad every season. 
Um, and that, so that was the idea of uh, the bishop. Um, around the same time I was writing that uh, was when a lot of the, the Jeffrey Epstein um, stuff was coming out. Um, and so in the, in the U.S. there was, this, I don't know how much I need to explain <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, but you know, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, issues with uh, sex trafficking, especially in the U.S. Um, and it was the idea of this guy who was hiding in plain sight, right? Um, that everybody knew he was there except for the people who could stop him, except for people who could stop him were clients. So um, so the idea of the bishop was kind of like the... Um, like the big bad, right, from a series, from a season, um, who is somebody that, like, you just know, you can see him from across the room and be like, that's not a good guy. Um, and so that was, that was the idea of, of the bishop. Um, and yeah, before I came up with the idea of, uh, of the chess uh, theme, I'd already named him the bishop, so that just kind of worked <laughs> in my favor. Um, but he's also like one of the things, you know, I, I always think of bishops as kind of slippery, right? Cause they move diagonally and they always kind of are able to slip out of, cause they can move in any direction. Um, so I think it kind of fits with him and his ability to, to slither out of all the, all the worst situations. That... Do you prefer to write on computer on, or with pen and paper? Um, I do both, actually. Um, I do. I take a lot of, of notes. Um, so for my work, I travel around a lot. Um, and I tend to have stacks of post-it notes because I always have post-it notes with me. And if I come up with a scene idea, I just write it down. But then they end up being like 10 post-it notes long. Uh, so I have these little stacks of post-it notes on my... Uh, I'm trying to see if I have one around. I don't think so. But um, yeah, so I end up with these stacks of post-it notes attached to my outline and like little notes in my outline, like see post-it note that says this. Um, but, uh, and, and I was on a plane uh, a few months ago. I flew out to, to Phoenix. It's like a six-hour flight and I took a book that didn't last the whole time. So then I wrote a short story in like a notebook that I had randomly. Um, but most of the time I type um, uh, just because it's, I'm, I'm not actually great at typing. So if I have to like transcribe something, I'm like, oh, I'm going to mess that up. <laughs> I want to ask about Tyler. So are we going to see her in future books and is she going to have a bigger role? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I really, and maybe it's because she's Shepherd, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I love Tyler's character. Um, I love her story. Um, uh, you'll find out uh, Tyler has a, a facial scar um, and the way she got that uh, will be kind of a, a big part of future book. Um, and she, she gets her own uh, love story. Spoiler oh. alert. Um, I can't, I can't stand to leave people like not happily paired off. So um, yeah, she will, she will definitely be around for a while. You said you had the entire entire plot for the seventh book in your head. Did you make some notes somewhere just in case I don't <laughs> you had a concussion or something? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I have some uh, just a few like brief notes because uh, I don't. Sometimes I've found that if I outline things too early, I'll lose like the passion for the story. So I have like you know because there so every book is going to be a chess piece. So it was queen knight. Uh, I'm not, I think Castle is the next one. Um, and then, so, you know, so I have 
okay, for each book, this is going to be the the main arc of the story. Um, so yeah, because it, it won't take a concussion. Like I said, I'm 40. I, things just slip out. <laughs> <laughs> and just a secret between the three of us, Tyler Love Interest, will it be based on Liara? Uh, it actually, uh, it won't. Sorry, no, no, I know. I I wanted to, I wanted it to be, but I found that she had better chemistry with somebody else. So it's gonna be, it's good. Now for Mass Effect, True Blue all the way through. It's always Liara. Um, I I even like there's uh, for people who don't play video games, this part's gonna be very boring. But I'm gonna say that like I always want to get all of the trophies when you play through a game. But if you if you are monogamous with Liara, you can't get the three romance trophy. So I was like, I'll just romance somebody else and then dump them and go back to. I couldn't do it. I could not make myself do it. If you had to restart your publishing journey again, would you do anything different? That's a that's a fantastic question. Um, I would not. Um, I think that uh, Bella was the perfect place for me to go, um, you know, especially at that point. Um, they're, they're incredibly helpful for you, uh, especially for a new author. Um, they, they really take good care of you. And, and I always talk about being part of the Bella family. Um, and it de definitely does feel like a family. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, like... As your career goes, so I've been with them for six years. Um, this is my seventh book that just came out. So, uh, so you know, like things change of what you need in your career, um, and you know, so so I don't know uh, what you know what the future will bring. But uh, at the same time, uh, I wouldn't change. Uh, I wouldn't change how I started at all. Based on your experience, what advice would you give new writers? Oh, come on. Um, I would say uh, the, the best advice is to not listen to too much advice. <laughs> um, if, you, if you spend any time on writing Twitter, you'll see there's like, oh, you have to, to be a real writer, you have to fill in the blank. And it's like, write every day or don't do this and do that. All of that is nonsense. Um, everybody's process is different. Uh, I definitely, when I started, I wrote every single day. Um, I had a lot less stress in my life at the time and a lot more free time. Now I don't write every day. Um, there are some days where I wish I could and I just can't. There are some days where I'm just not feeling it and I'm not going to push myself. Um, but yeah, I would say trust your own process. Um, and because if you write, you're a writer. And that doesn't mean if you write X number of words a day, you're a writer. It just means if you're a writer. Um, so that would be the advice that I, I would get. I would like to answer the question you were never asked and wanted to answer. Okay. <laughs> so what is it we're listening? I think, I, honestly, it's funny. Nobody ever asked you, like, why you become a writer. Or at least nobody's ever asked me. Okay. <laughs> nobody's ever asked me why I started to write. Um, and I think everybody has a different answer to that question. For me, it was, it's still that... I still have trouble finding the books I want to read. Um, and I know a lot of people say that. And that we do have amazing authors in our community. Um, and, you, and now even mainstream is starting to embrace uh, women loving women and sapphic literature, which is great. Um, 
it's sometimes problematic, but <laughs> you know, uh, it's still I'm still at a point where um, sometimes I still have to write the book I want to read, um, and so yeah, that's that's why I became a writer, and that's nobody's ever asked me that before. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask about reviews. Do you read your book reviews? And how do you feel about maybe the not-so-complimentary reviews? Um, so I am definitely in the camp now that uh, reviews are not for writers, they're for readers. Um, early on, I read every review. Uh, and I, like, uh, it's a really good way to drive yourself crazy. Because <laughs> a lot of times your reviews will be contradictory, uh, right? Um, like one person will be like, oh, I hated this. And so I, was, I love that. So it's like, what do you do? I did learn a lot early on um, from from some of the reviews that I got. So I don't think that uh, they're, uh, that it's always a bad thing for, for writers to read their reviews. Um, for instance, uh, Tara Scott uh, reviewed Queen of Humboldt. And in Queen of Humboldt, I italicized my Spanish um, because that's what I'd seen in the publishing world. Like, that's kind of standard. Um, and Tara pointed out that that's not a thing that should be done anymore because of others, folks who, who were bilingual. Um, so if I hadn't read that review, I wouldn't have known to, to make that change in Two Nights Tango. And I'm really grateful uh, for, uh, for knowing that. And I wouldn't have known if I didn't read the reviews. Um, a lot of times I, <laughs> I used to do this thing where I would uh, go, I would read my reviews and see like if there were some that were not super complimentary and they made me like feel kind of crummy. Uh, I would go to my favorite book and read the reviews on that because people will hate anything <laughs> and that's okay. Um, the way that I kind of look at it is if all of my reviews were positive, then I'm not reaching enough people. Because if you are, if you're, if you're getting reviews that are all complimentary, you're only getting that one target audience. Um, and if somebody picked up your book and didn't like it, it means that you are, they're not inside your target audience. Um, so, so yeah, it's kind of, I'm kind of trying to find the, the silver lining on, uh, on the less than positive reviews. Um, but I tend not to read them anymore. I mean, and there are things, there are definitely, like, books that everybody loved, and I just, like, I don't get it. And I know it's not, like, it's not the writer, it's not me, it's just those two things didn't make sense, so. Before uh, being a published author, did you write review on book that you read? And if so, did you continue to do so after, like, with an anonymous, <laughs> you know, or something? Yeah, so I, I did. Um, I did write reviews on, on Goodreads before I was a published author. Uh, I look back at some of the things I said, um, and and to be clear, it's not about any WOW author, uh, but one of my favorite authors who doesn't write queer stuff, uh, he, he wrote another book, and I just hated it. And I tore that book apart, and I, was, and I read, read it now, and I'm like, Man, that was really mean. I should not have said that. Um, so I don't, I don't review anymore. Um, and and part of that is because I don't like. 
it's the same thing that I was saying about my wife, right? Is that I, I can't really trust her opinion because I know she wants to be nice. Uh, you know, I, I look back at those reviews that I wrote and I was, man, you were mean. I would never do that now. But if I'm not honest, then why write a review, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I don't review anymore. Uh, do you um, enjoy reading and have there been any books that have influenced your writing journey? I, I love to read. I read across all genres. I read a lot of nonfiction too. Um, I used to have more time for it. Nowadays, I, I do a lot of driving, so I listen to a lot of audiobooks, uh, which are fantastic. Uh, I just love uh, the ability to access literature when you can't necessarily sit down and put your eyes on a page. So it's wonderful. Um, uh, I do think I, I, I have no formal training in writing. Um, I'm one of those writers that learned how to craft a story from reading so many stories. Um, and that's probably why I don't know how to use the verb to lie versus the verb to lay, <laughs> because no teacher ever taught me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really good at, um, at like identifying a writer's voice. I tend to, uh, be really good at suspending my disbelief, uh, and just kind of delving into a story. So I don't necessarily think I could pick out a writer's voice and then say, oh, yeah, I see that in my own. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I will read anything. So when you choose an audiobook, do you tend to stick with narrators that you like? Narration is a very personal thing. And I find that a lot of people, are, sometimes the narration can just put you right off the book. It is. It's a very personal thing, and uh, um, it's it's something that I've been like paying a, very close attention to recently. Um, I don't pick based on the narrator. I pick based on the author, and then uh, if and there's a few narrators that I just love, right? Um, and I would listen to them read a phone book. Um, but uh, generally, it's the it's the story that I wanna wanna read. Um, and just hope it's a good narrator. I have definitely run into situations where I had to, to stop reading something because I didn't like the narration. Honestly, that happens more. Um, I don't like multiple narrators on the same book. I know it's, it's a very strange thing, especially if it's done like a staged reading where they're talking to each other. Um, but even like going back and forth between chapters, I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, just because they oftentimes have to read the same character, but they're reading it in a different voice. So it, it throws me off. Um, but I, I mean, I tend to be pretty, pretty forgiving of, uh, of narration because I generally can enjoy the story, even if I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have used that accent or I wouldn't have done that or done this, but, um, I'm, I'm not much of an actor myself, so I just let them do their thing. <laughs> If you want to share something unique or quirky about yourself with readers that they might not necessarily know. I have an anosmia. I cannot smell roses. Uh, so it, an anosmia is a thing where you just, like, certain scents don't work for your body. Um, so I literally cannot stop and smell the roses because <laughs> I don't smell like anything. <laughs> I used to live in uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, which is... Uh, a little bit south of where I live now. And there's this beautiful botanical garden there called Lewis Ginsburg Botanical Garden. And they have, I think it's like five acres rose garden. It's all roses. And we, um, I was there with my wife and we walked into the center of it. She's like, oh my God, it smells amazing. And I'm like, 
I smell like grass clippings <laughs> from like the lawn behind it. But that's it. And that's when I realized I was probably in my 30s when I realized that. I, and so we went, she had me go to like every different breed of rose and like stick my face in it and see if I could smell anything. In it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Uh, but interestingly, uh, and you know how like some cheap florists will use like a rose perfume on like less than good roses? I can smell thick rose, not the essential oil of roses, but like the fake rose scent. I can smell that. So I can tell you if the roses that you got me were cheap, <laughs> but I can't tell you if, or if I can't smell them, then I know they're good, right? <laughs> We're on the this or that section of this podcast. This or that. Lights on or lights off? Lights on. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Spice or mild? Uh, mild. <laughs> Socks or blankets? Uh, blankets. Mountain or river? Mountain. Theater or cinema? Uh, theater. Bar or restaurant? Bar. Coffee or tea? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would have <laughs> Mocktail or cocktail? Uh, cocktail. Cats or dogs? Cats. Indoor or outdoor? Indoor. That's it? Alright. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today, Taken. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. This is wonderful. Do you have a message for your readers? Um, I think uh, the message I would say is thank you for reading. Uh, thanks for, for sending some love my way. Um, I know there's a lot out there and I appreciate the support. <laughs>